0: After I was born again in 1975, by God speaking to me, by His Spirit, I told my best friend, Donna, I don't think I've been a Christian before now. And she said, What did you say? What did you say? And she said, Come back here. And I turned around and walked back to her, and I said, "Uh, Well, I don't think I've been a Christian until now, because last night, God said to me, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years, and he said those weren't mistakes; those were sins. And I said, I think everything changed inside me, and I think I'm a Christian now. But I don't think I was before. I had been baptized in water at church, but I nothing changed. With this, everything changed. Down a agreed that now something had happened to me, and I was a Christian. She was a Baptist, and I said to her, well, what do we do now? And she said, nothing. And I was so puzzled. I just thought, nothing? We don't do anything? She was under the doctrine that after you are born again, you don't really do anything. You just... Live your life on this earth and go to heaven, no matter what you do. It was a once saved, always saved doctrine. I didn't think much about it. I heard people from time to time say, Well, do you believe that doctrine? And I didn't know. But there's one scripture which causes me to seriously doubt that doctrine. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus is speaking to one of the churches and he says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Well, it looked to me like your name could be blotted out of the book of life by what Jesus said there and that our commission on this earth is to overcome by turning to God and doing what he says. And I still believe that. To the woman taken in adultery, Jesus said, Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. She couldn't continue to live the life she was living. Well, after we're given the Spirit of God, born again, we don't want to live that life, do we? Does anyone want to go back to the life that you lived in, so to speak, Sodom? Do you really want to go back to that life? I don't. Not for one second. I'm grateful not to be in that life anymore. I'm grateful that God pulled me out of that life and gave me another way. So, what do we do after we're born again? Well, I think the thing God showed me to do is follow the scriptures. Do what you see to do when you read the Bible. The first scripture I ever remember following was Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Oh, no man, anything. I was also reading Deuteronomy 28 at the time I saw that. Now, I know there are many things in the Old Testament that don't apply to us in the New Testament. Jesus is the sacrifice for our sins. We don't slay animals anymore and use their blood as a sacrifice for sins. We don't follow the law of Moses, but we do follow the law of God in the New Testament Bible. Many times I hear preachers mix that up and say, we don't go by the law anymore. No, we don't go by the law of Moses anymore But we do go by the laws of God, the commandments of God as set forth for us in the New Testament Bible. So don't be deceived on that. You're not going to be going out there and doing sins, various sins, and then confessing your sins and then doing those same sins over and over and over. That would be to crucify Jesus afresh. We are forgiven our sins when we are born again, when God speaks to us. And then we don't go in the same way anymore because we're created a new creature. But we continue to live our life on this earth according to that set forth in the New Testament Bible. For these are laws of God in the New Testament Bible. These are commandments of the Lord for the New Testament church in the New Testament Bible. But there are some things in the Old Testament Bible which also apply to us today. There are promises of God in the Old Testament Bible that apply to us today. Deuteronomy 28 is something that I was reading early in my life as a Christian. And I found it very exciting, for it's a promise of God. And I believe it applies to the church today. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, Moses said, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, In the Old Testament, the people didn't have the Holy Spirit. The prophets had the Holy Spirit. And the people had to go to the prophets to know the will of God. Today, everyone who is a believer has been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us to show us what to do the will of God in the specific issues of this present life. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. He will never speak to us anything that is contrary to the truth of the Scriptures. It will be compatible with the Scriptures. There are other spirits which would speak things opposite to Scripture Jesus said the devil is a liar and there's no truth in him. So he would speak things opposite to the scriptures to destroy us. He would try to lead us in a way of destruction. The Holy Spirit brings thoughts to our mind to lead us. The devil brings thoughts to our mind to lead us. So we have to decide which thoughts are from God and which are from devils. And some are from our own fleshly desires. This only way that it is safe to go is in the way of the Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit brings us a direction or a thought concerning what to do in a situation, that is the only safe way to go. So we want to be sure that we can recognize the spirit of God. One of the primary ways I recognize it is God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. When I have an idea of something to do, and it's terribly complex and overly expensive, I always know I don't have the way of God. Something, Some other spirit is bringing me information, and that would be a way of destruction for me to go. But the way of God, God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that's one of the primary ways that I know the voice of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is usually not a driving type voice like you've got to do this, you've got to do it, you've got to do it today, you've got to hurry. That's another spirit. I don't believe I've ever had the Holy Spirit do that. He provides information for us by bringing thoughts to our mind. But I don't believe I've ever had him give me that driving type of thought. But often I will have other spirits that will try to convince me that I've got to do it and I've got to do it now. So it takes experience. But one of the primary ways to know the ideas that are from God is by the rules in James chapter 3, verse, I believe it's verse 16, 17, 317, James 317, I believe. That is, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. Pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. And it has no hypocrisy in it. If there's some kind of trickery involved, you better stop and pray again over that one. So many times women will enter into coyness and trickery to catch a husband. And then after they've caught a husband, they're sorry they caught the husband. You can get in a mess with using deception. Purity and truth is very important. In a relationship. And if you have to always deceive your husband or deceive the man that you want to marry, I think it's very, very dangerous. You may get into something you wish you hadn't gotten into. But if you will go by these things in James 316, 317, 37 uh, 17, the wisdom is from above, is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So that deception shows you immediately another spirit has gotten involved in bringing you plans. So let's look again at Deuteronomy 28. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Well, I ser- took this very seriously and still do. It's deadly to go the other way, to go in the way Of the Holy Spirit, the way that he instructs you is the only safe way we have to go because the Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to show us the will of God. And that is the information the Holy Spirit carries to us. Jesus says he does not speak of himself, but that which he hears from God, that's what he speaks to us he will guide us into all truth teach us all things remind us of everything jesus has said to us and show us things to come john chapter 14 verse 26 and john chapter 16 verse 13 tells us the four things that the holy spirit does for us so all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket, and thy store. At the time I was born again, I owned a business, a small business. And I took this promise very seriously. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses, and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee an holy people unto himself, as he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And they are. They are afraid of us. They shall see that we belong to God. And they don't talk around us about evil things like they would talk around their buddies. Because they know we are different. In my mother's family, we had one person, her eldest sister, and everybody would say, what would artists say about this? She was their gold standard. She was different. Later, I found out she had been taken into heaven, transported into heaven, and had seen the streets of gold. Of course, she was different. I was taken into heaven twice as a young Christian. And merged into the body of Jesus. And I just have such a strong affiliation with the Word of God above everything else. And I think some of it comes from that. Although I've known other people who weren't taken into heaven and love the Word of God as much as I do. But I had I had a calling on my life that I, I think I, uh, that fits this uh, situation that I was going to be doing, the work that I do. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself. We're not like the other people. We're not anything like them. We live by faith in God. They live by faith in each other and in their own wisdom. And that separates us immediately from them. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, and walk in his ways. And all the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy ground, and in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers to give thee, The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the works of thine hands. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Remember I told you in Romans chapter 13 verse 8, I saw that scripture, Oh, no man, anything. And it really, really penetrated into my heart to get out of debt. Thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. Why? Because to borrow makes you a slave, a captive. We rule in this life. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only. And thou shalt not be beneath if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe them and do them. You see, you're the head and not the tail. You may say, well, I'm the lowest person at work. I'm the bottom of the totem pole. You won't stay at the bottom if you do the scriptures. One by one, you just start Doing scriptures that you see to do. If you have a scripture called to your memory, that's the Holy Spirit doing that. Focus on that scripture. Meditate in it day and night. Do that scripture and keep doing it. You will not stay at the bottom of the totem pole. For that scripture, following that scripture, God will use that and make you the head and not the tail and you will be above only and not beneath. Verse 14, And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve thee. Now that's if you follow God. He will make you the head and not the tail. You will be above only and not beneath. Because he will give you some word that when you do it, it will separate you from the others. And it will cause you to rise to the top. At first it may bring you persecution. But if you cling to it and you do it and you keep doing it, you won't end at the bottom. It's just impossible. Cream rises to the top. And that is exactly what this is. And by following the word of God, we have a promise that we will receive a hundredfold now in this life. Now in this life. It won't. At first it may not look like that. At first it may look like you're destroyed by following God. Do not let that deceive you. You will not be destroyed if you follow that which God has told you. You will end up above the others. The time will come. You will end up above. There's just no other way for it to happen. Just keep doing what God has told you to do. Revelation 22, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, Blessed are they that do His commandments that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates unto the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Do his commandments because by doing his commandments we have a right to the tree of life. Jesus said in um, John fourteen six, I am the way of life I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me now people today are teaching basically the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sins and you go to God through the blood of Jesus that's true But you live on this earth continuing to follow the word of God. If you follow the word of God, it's the way to God. As you go through this life, if you follow those scriptures, that's the way to God. And they're going to separate you from the other people, even from the people at your churches. Because most people at churches don't follow the word of God they believe that they're all right they've been they've joined the church they've been baptized once saved always saved or they're okay but they don't follow the word of god it's not the word of god that they love they love their church buildings their choirs their preachers they love those things and that form of godliness but it's not a love of that word of god that they crave And if you have a desire toward the word of God, you're already on the right path. But most of them go through a ritual and they attend church and they give money and they do the things at their church building and they're proud of their church and they tell other people about their church building, but I've never had one of them tell me anything about God. I've never had one of them say to me, let me tell you what God did with me. It's always their church building and their pastor. And that's what they preach. But if you love the word of God, you will be telling people things that God has done for you. And that separates you from the others. For most of them don't do that. Matthew chapter 7 Verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter ye in the straight at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which lead us unto life, and few there be that find it. At one point in time, one of our church members, her son was, I don't know, 50 years old at that time. He had been divorced once, and he had separated from his second wife, and he wanted to find a third wife. And she said something to him about the Bible, and he looked at the Bible, and he said, Oh, but Mother, that's so legalistic. I was so grieved when she told me that. I turned to God and I said, this really grieves me. What he said really grieves me. A few hours later, God said to me, they want freedom to sin and you want freedom from sin. They are looking for approval to be able to sin And you want freedom from sin, and the Bible is freedom from sin when we do it. These scriptures are freedom from sin, but they want freedom to sin. So the Bible says, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So you as a man set up a thing where you will not marry a divorced woman. See, that seems like a very rigid direction. It's a straight gate that you're entering. It's a narrow way that you're going. So you say to yourself, I won't marry a divorced woman. Matthew 5.32, Jesus says, Whosoever marrieth her that is divorced committeth adultery. The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So you make it a rule you're not going to go that way. That's a very straight way. But that's the way to life. And few there be that go therein, says Jesus, because it doesn't seem reasonable to them. You have to understand that every scripture is inspired by God. This is not the opinion of man. This is God himself showing us the way to go as we live on this earth. So I come along as a new Christian and see, oh, no man, anything. And I'm also looking at that Deuteronomy passage, you will lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow. So I, early on in my Christian life, make it a plan to get out of debt and stay out of debt. So once I'm out of debt, anything that is trying to pull me into debt, I just don't do it. Because it's so solid in me not to go that way. So in the early years of being a Christian, I lived in an apartment in Dallas. I had the money from my business that I could have paid down on a house but that would put me in debt. See, this is a very straight way to go. This is not the way many, there won't, aren't many people who go this way. And I knew the things that it's foolish to throw the money away on rent, but I saw that scripture, oh, no man, anything, and in my heart. I made a, basically a commitment that this is the way I was going to go, was by that scripture. I was going to get out of debt and stay out of debt. And there are many times I had opportunities to go into debt. I could buy a car and go in debt. At one point in the nineteen around 1985, 1990, I had a car accident in my old car. I had a 72 model, I think it was 72 model Oldsmobile. And someone ran into the side of my car and damaged it pretty badly. Well, I had not priced cars in, I suppose, not in my entire lifetime. I had not priced cars because my dad always gave me my car. But he was no longer living at that time. And so I went to to look at cars to see if I wanted to buy a car. And I was shocked. I think the Mercury was $22,000 at that time. Well, I didn't have $22,000, but you could get it by going in debt, paying it out. But you see, I already had this rule back here for 10, or 10 years I'd been living by, oh, no man anything. So I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I took the car to a car repair body, body shop, and they repaired the car for, I think, eight dollars or $900 which I had the money to pay for. By this time now, I know it's going to take 22000 to buy a new car. It's not that I was consciously saving the money for the new car, but I wasn't going to buy a new car until I could pay cash for it. This is in my heart. This is working through my whole body. If I can't pay for it, I don't do it. It was like a signpost. Which guided me and kept me on a firm highway for the next forty-five years. Well, I wouldn't have a house if I didn't pay it off in a mortgage. Well, I did. Matter of fact, God enabled me to have several houses. But I didn't do it through debt because I wasn't gonna go that way. See, these are these scriptures, they're very narrow, but they keep us on a firm ground, and they keep us from going off and doing crazy things that will harm us, destructive things. So looking again at what Jesus says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. All you have to do is start doing whatever scripture's brought to your attention, and keep doing it. And then another scripture will come along, and you do that. And these are like stepping stones into life. And you will be above only and not beneath. You won't be like the rest of the people when you do that. Now, there are a great many people in churches that are beggars and thieves. I get letters all the time, emails, from people all over the world who say, I'm a minister. Please send me money. I'm a minister. Please send me Bibles. I'm a minister. I'm trying to build an old folks home. Please send me money. I need a computer. Please send me a computer. This isn't godly. If Jesus is your Lord and your Lord is your shepherd and you're following him and you have no want, it's because you're following him and you don't get it through these fleshly plans of turning to human beings like they're trying to do. I don't send them money. I know they're not of God because I know the way of God. The Lord is my shepherd, not people. It's not that people are going to be my shepherd and give me all these things. It's the Lord is my shepherd. Anybody can get stuff from people by being deceptive. You can get things from your church by extortion. You can take a scripture and make them think, well, if you don't give to me, you won't be blessed and scare them to death. That's extortion. But the way of God is you follow scriptures and you keep following them. And something comes along which gives you the opportunity to turn from that scripture. But you don't turn. You keep following that scripture. See how it works? But there aren't many people that will do that because few find the way of life. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I once uh, met a Catholic man who was divorced, and he was committing fornication, even with his two children being in the same house in the sense that he would bring women home or they would go on cruises together and take his two children, women that he wasn't married to. And he would go to the priest and confess his sins and go out and do it again. This is definitely not the way of life. He probably wasn't born again. He was probably just going by a ritual, which I hope he wasn't born again when he was doing these things. Because if you sin willfully, after you have the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for your sins. It doesn't work that way. Hebrews uh, chapter 10 verse 26 tells us that. Let's look at a couple of scriptures on that subject. Well, first Jesus told a woman taken in adultery, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. She couldn't continue to live the type of life she was living. Go and sin no more. I've heard preachers preach this many times, but I haven't heard them preach, go and sin no more. It was always that Jesus doesn't condemn you. And that causes lots of people to come to their churches because their sinners can come there and feel approved and not have to change and can continue in their sin. But Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. She couldn't keep doing her sin. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins it's not going to be a matter of you will say oh please forgive me god i have sinned and then go right out there and sin again you can't do that because if you try to do that you're crucifying jesus afresh second 2 peter 2:21 2, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them it had been better if you didn't even know it was a sin than to know it's a sin and for a while continue in a way of life and then go back out into the sin it would have been better for you for you never to have known says peter hebrews chapter 6 verse 4 for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the world world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame." To crucify Jesus again if you sin willfully. Well, that's not going to happen because Jesus was crucified once for all. And by his blood, we are forgiven. But to go out and sin willfully after we have the knowledge of the truth is to bring a condemnation upon ourselves. What hope do we have then? I believe that 1 Corinthians 5 tells us a hope, and that is if the church would turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, as Paul said to do in 1 Corinthians 5, just don't have anything to do with those people anymore. Turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that their spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord, that their flesh would be destroyed on this earth But in the destruction of their flesh, their spirit would be saved. And I think that's what happens to some people who sin willfully after the knowledge of the truth. But cling to that scripture, go and sin no more. That's a very straight path, but won't it keep you on the highway and take you to God? Absolutely. So any scripture that's brought to your attention by following that scripture and continuing to follow that scripture, you go in the way of God and you keep from going in the gates of destruction and there are many gates of destruction. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.